All right. Hour number three of the show has begun right now, at this very moment, as we speak, as a matter of fact. Thanks for tuning in to the Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau across the great state of Mississippi. Hometown Heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Hit them up, favrates.com. If you haven't checked that out, check it out, favrates.com. Hour number three of the show is presented by Overstreet Properties in Starkville. Listen up, if you're looking for a weekend home or a condo, full-time residence, investment property, maybe you need an apartment to lease, give Kane Overstreet a call. In Starkville, it's 323-8618. Remember that, 323-8618. Or hit them up at overstreetproperties.com. Listen, y'all, I think there's going to be plenty to react to in this hour. We may have a short time to do it, and certainly plenty of time going forward. Uh, In case you're wondering, what we've got going on right now is the schedule release for the Southeastern Conference is set to begin here shortly. Now, they're going to put the week one opponents for everybody in the league, they're going to put them out there. Over the next few minutes, next half hour, whatever, over on the SEC Network, uh, we'll get those for you as they come in. As they are coming in, hopefully they'll be coming in and popping up on Twitter and that kind of thing. We're going to talk about it with Cole Kubelik from the SEC Network and from ESPN. That's all coming up in a matter of minutes. But we're only going to get week one opponents here in this hour if, if all that goes off without a hitch. Then later tonight, I think it's 6 p.m., but maybe it's 6 Eastern, 5 Central. I don't know. I can never tell because the stupid SEC offices are in Charlotte. We never know what it is. <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. I'm just having some fun with it. Anyway, later tonight, we're going to get the rest of it. So the full-fledged uh, schedule release for everybody, that's all coming out later. So we'll have plenty to react to a little later in this hour. I think we're going to have a lot to react to uh, throughout the week. So um, if you're just tuning in, maybe it's your first time to listen to the show. Maybe it's not your first time and you just need a reminder. Lots of ways for you to be a part of this show. First up, you can text me on the country pleasing text line. It is 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. That is the text line. You can call me on the Divinity phone. That's 995-1059. That is a 601 number, 995-1059. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America, in fact. That means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else. So you can call me there. You can tweet me. Where? On Twitter. (laughs) At Radio Wyatt. So feel free to tweet away at me, at Radio Wyatt. And uh, I just might see it that way. Whenever we're streaming the show, which is often, whenever we're streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope via Twitter and all that kind of stuff, uh, you can comment as well. See it all in one place. And we had a good time in hour one and hour two with everybody uh, on the live stream. All right, let's do it. 
I don't know that we have any details just yet on the uh, schedule release, but we do know that it's coming. It's just a matter of time. It ain't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Let's talk a little football now with one of the faces and voices over at ESPN and the SEC Network. He's Cole Kubelik. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Cole Kubelik. And uh, if you don't follow him, you still can't avoid him. He's all over your TV, all over your radio in the Birmingham area. One of the hosts of uh, Three Man Front, the midday show, WJOX in Birmingham. And he's on your radio right now. Cole, uh, I'm tickled to get a chance to talk with you. It feels like it's been a long time. And it feels like it's been a long offseason. I hope you're doing well. How are you doing well, Matt? Appreciate you having me, man. Just yeah. uh, excited to get some positive college football news today with this whole schedule release in the SEC. Yeah, me too. Excited to get it and, you know, what feels like a step forward and another step forward and another step forward and all that kind of stuff. Do you uh, – before they splatter it all over the SEC network, do you – um, did you know? Did you get any leaks? It seemed to me to be really quiet on what exactly they were going to do. Yeah, it's, um, I, I did not have any idea. I'm seeing it come down now. Um, so that's, that's, that's the first indication that I had of okay. it and how it would look. So it's, uh, you know, that's, that's all I got. Okay. So um, I'm seeing uh, your colleague and uh, co-worker there at WJOX, Pat Smith, Pat Smith Radio on Twitter. I'm just following Twitter as you and I talk. And he says Bama's going to open at Missouri and Auburn is going to open yep. with Kentucky at home. What do you what do you make of Alabama going to Missouri week one, getting that one out of the way? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that Missouri really has an opportunity to handle Alabama this year. Uh, so I, I think that that's probably good for Alabama to be able to get Missouri instead of Georgia, which is one that I think we kind of would have thought right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, so and they're also saying, okay, so week one, Mississippi State goes to LSU. Now, LSU defending national champs, but replacing so much. And um, including quarterback, and we know what a big deal that is. LSU's super talented and all that, Cole, but do you think that if you're if for Mississippi State, do you think they look at this and go, well, if you're going to play LSU down there, might as well do it early? What do you think? I would rather catch this LSU team early than late, Matt, that's for sure, because I, I think if you're talking about overall talent, you know they're they're towards the top of the league. They 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 have to be now. They took a big hit with Kerry Vincent announcing that he's going to opt out of this season today. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've got maybe the best offensive player in college football, not named Trevor Lawrence, in Jamar Chase. Terrace Marshall's back at wide receiver. You've got I know I know a lot of starters are gone on that offensive line, but Austin Beckulis is back at right tackle. He started every game. Ed Ingram, if not suspended early in the year, he would have started every game. Uh, you've got Eric Gilbert, a stud freshman tight end coming in who I think can make a difference. Yeah. And defensively, I mean, Tyler Shelvin, Glenn Logan, Apuika up front. Uh, you know, Jabril Cox is a stud linebacker that transfers from North Dakota State. Damone Clark's going to be a great player. Derek Stingley might be the best defensive player in college yeah. football at corner. And I think Jacoby Stevens is a first rounder at safety. So it's not like they don't have guys. You know, they just don't have the guy at quarterback, which I think makes us all wonder, 
what it's going to look like. And obviously you lose some guys off your staff, both offensively and defensively. So that the difference there, you know, may sort of, uh, I mean, you may, may sort of maybe wonder what exactly they're going to be able to do as far as being close to what they were a season ago. But I think if you get Miles Brennan growing into the quarterback position and a John Emery who maybe comes in and, and, and can be something close to what Clyde Edwards Elaire was last year, this LSU team's going to be pretty good. But because of those unknowns, you obviously would rather catch them earlier than later. But we could say some of the same things about Mississippi State. We don't know exactly what things – I mean, is that going to be an offense because of its simplicity by nature and, you know, amount of plays that people always talk about, you know, the how the playbook sort of shrinks compared to what other playbooks are yeah. around college football? Or is it one that – you can speak to this more than I can as a former quarterback – that missing out on those opportunities to gain rhythm, to gain timing, to gain chemistry, to you know, some of those nonverbal, unwritten rules of the passing game, are they going to be more affected by that? I think, it's, I think it makes for a really interesting matchup week one because there are two teams that I could easily see exceeding their expectations mm-hmm. that both have a lot of unknowns coming into that first game. That's really interesting. I mean, I see it the same way. And Cole, that's it. Like if it was a normal offseason – even with a transfer quarterback coming in and a new coach, it being Leach and talking to former players who've played in that system, the way they talk about the installation happens, and they learn it. They learn the stuff within a couple of weeks, and then it's a matter of repping it throughout their formations that it's not necessarily that hard to learn. Normal situation, I'd go, well, State's going to be okay, but it's such a non, uh, not normal, an abnormal situation. I, I just feel like early on, they got a lot. They're going to have a lot of kinks to work out. Um, hey, and Cole, uh, Cole Kubelik on your radio. So I'm looking at this. We've got Alabama at Missouri week one. And as I say these, Cole, I want you to tell me which one really jumps out at you of the others. You've got Florida going to Ole Miss week one. Georgia will go to Arkansas. Kentucky will go to Auburn. Mississippi State at LSU. Tennessee goes to South Carolina and Vandy at Texas A&M. Of those week one matchups, which one really jumps off the page at you as an eye catcher? It's Kentucky-Auburn. Because when, when I first saw this game on the schedule, Matt, when, when our schedules were still, I guess I'll say normal, yeah, uh, you know, back back when, the, when last season ended and, and through the early portion of the offseason, I kind of viewed that game, and, and I think you'll have a pretty good feel of what I'm trying to say here. You know, that game was October the 3rd, so maybe a little bit later than what I'm referencing, but it almost felt like that was going to be the previous Auburn-Mississippi State game. Mm. And what I mean by that is two teams that sometimes we didn't know or sometimes we thought we knew or sometimes we thought were pretty close to one another – and that seemed to be the fork in the road game early in the season. Mm. I mean, go back, go back to 2013. Everybody remembers the prayer and Jordan Hare, Ricardo Lewis. Everybody remembers the kick six, but you probably remember Nick Marshall to CJ Uzoma on the wheel route right. with what, almost a minute left in that game mm-hmm. where Mississippi State was in control of that game. Yeah. Um, for, for just about the entire season, for about the entire four quarters. And then, Auburn pretty much stole a victory at home. How about 2010? 
you know, Cam Newton, one of the most historic seasons in the history of college football. They couldn't get anything going in Starkville that day. Nothing. Right. right. And somehow, you know, the Auburn defense steps up and Auburn grinds out a win. And, you know, there were games in between that where maybe Auburn was more well thought of, but it was either a, a Jeff Collins defense or a Dak Prescott performance, and all of a sudden State gets the win, and they go on to have the better season. So I think right out of the gate, week one, we're going to learn who's for real, Kentucky or Auburn, because in my power rankings, I've got Kentucky ahead of Auburn right now. I think with Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson gone, uh, obviously, you got a first rounder in Noeg McNoggany gone out of that secondary. Two other good corners gone out of that secondary. You got four new starters on the offensive line. And here's why I would like Kentucky in that game. Number one, being on the road is not going to make that much difference because you're not going to have to deal with 87,000 fans in one of the most difficult places to play in the country. Number two, I think we are embarking on maybe the least physical college football season we've ever seen. Yeah. The fact that we didn't get a spring ball, mm-hmm. and you know good and well these coaches are going to be tiptoeing through this practice that starts for most teams today, because you're going to lose some guys to positive COVID test. That's just going to happen. Now you know guys hadn't gone through the workouts the way they normally do. You didn't have the spring acclimation period of physicality to be able to prepare for a season. Coaches are not going to – it's only 10 weeks. Yeah. Coaches are not going to risk losing guys in camp, Matt. I just – I honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're going to. So – Kentucky right now, I think physically, with Drake Jackson and Logan Young and Darren Kennard back on that offensive line, three capable tailbacks, a dual-threat quarterback who has starting experience, and the majority of that front seven back on defense, I think Kentucky is better suited week one physically to be able to handle that game. Hmm. So I I think that if Auburn and Bo Nix can show, hey, we've allowed Chad Morris to come in, Move, move this offense more to what he wants to do, how he's going to do it. He's going to call it. Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams obviously are going to be two big targets for Bo Nix, but if they can find a semblance of a run game, the offensive line's okay. All of a sudden, you know, Auburn might have a better season than we thought they could. But if not, maybe Kentucky's a team that we could be looking at that could be a disruptor in the SEC East because – that was the number four pass defense in the nation last year, and nobody talks about him. Brad White did an amazing job mm-hmm. with that defense. And you got a really good front seven. Some, some, you got length and experience back in the secondary and a team that probably is going to be able to control the ball in Kentucky against, against probably the best core of linebackers in the league that Auburn brings to the table with KJ Britt and those guys. But, What's the D-line going to look like? What's the secondary look like? I have all the faith in the world in Kevin Steele. But that's absolutely the matchup of week one, in my opinion. How about that? I thought you were going to say Florida Ole Miss. Just, I mean, because initially here I'm going, well, there goes Dan Mullen back to Oxford. But I'm guessing you think Florida has a tremendous advantage on the field in that ballgame. I do, but I'll tell you this, Matt. You know, I'm seeing some reports coming out of Gainesville today that Kadarius Toney, Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, and Zachary Carter did not practice. Now, I'll say this. I've got Florida number two in my SEC power rankings right now. If those four guys sat out, mm. not only would I bump them down, I, I might bump them down two or three spots. Mm. Because you're, you're talking about this is a team last year 
that had 317 catches for 3,910 yards and 33 touchdowns. Hypothetically, let's say those three guys sat out. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, with what else is gone, you're talking about 246 of 317 catches, 3,124 of 3,910 yards, and 2,733 touchdown catches. Outside of Kyle Pitts, who's the best returning tight end, this is what you would have left receiving the football coming back on that team. Ten catches, 309 yards, and one touchdown. So, I, I, and Zachary Carter, by the way, would, would be your leading stack artist returning on that defense. So, my, my opinion of that team would change greatly if those guys aren't back. And if those guys aren't back, then all of a sudden I think that game does become much more intriguing because now you're looking at, you're looking at an Ole Miss team that might really have a chance to steal one against Florida at home. Cole Kubelik on your radio. ESPN SEC Network, one of the hosts of Three Man Front on WJOX Birmingham. Follow him on Twitter at Cole Kubelik. You know, looking at Ole Miss, so they're going to have a home game in week one. Hungry upperclassmen if they get to play, obviously. 70, what is it, 74 returning lettermen in, in terms of guys. So basically almost all your scholarship players in that Ole Miss team have played some football for you. And Cole, I think I think Lane Kiffin knows what to do with a guy like John Rice Plumley. I look at what he did with Blake Sims at Alabama. Um, you mentioned LSU and State being two teams that it wouldn't surprise you if they surprised everybody else. What about that offense for Lane Kiffin in, in year one? Lots of ifs. Okay. And I think you, you said it really well. I think John Rice Plumley is the key. Here's what concerns me about it. I had Alabama two years in a row, and we we had Lane, we talked to Lane Kiffin and we talked to Brian Dayball in consecutive seasons. Both of them said, "Hey, all that all those Q runs, mm-hmm. that quarterback run game, that's that's Loxley. He he handles all that. Mm-hmm. Loxley does. I mean, Dayball told us straight up. He said, "Wait, what do you think? I'm I've been calling quarterback runs with Brady in New England." Like, I, I hadn't been doing that. Yeah. And, you know, and Lane told us the exact same thing because Loxley was still on that staff. And he said, you know, Loxley goes back to the, the Juice Williams, Illinois days. He said he's the one that helps me with that. So what I need to know is who on that staff can, can sort of accept and flourish with that responsibility. Because it's not that Lane doesn't want to do it. It's not that he won't do it. It's just that I don't think it's his thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We know what Lane's thing is, and that's pitching the ball around and being able to find ways to get guys open, finding mismatches and attacking defenses in ways that you can take advantage of those mismatches. But they're going to need someone on staff who can help facilitate that quarterback run game. Because last year in that, in that spread option attack that we know good and well, is is one that fit his skill set yeah. uh, to a T. I, I I I think his his explosiveness is going to be too much to keep him off the field. Yeah, has to find a way to get him involved, and I mean more so than a package guy. And here's the thing, Matt: Old Miss fans hated me and told me I was crazy last year for saying I like the way he threw the football. I actually think he's got good anticipation. I think he throws the intermediate stuff extremely well. When you watch him throw screens, when you watch him throw the running backs out of the backfield, 
He's always putting the ball where guys can catch and run. I thought he had a lot of throws downfield last year that had had opportunities to be caught and were flat-out dropped at times, and that's not on him. So I think he's actually a better thrower, better passer than people give him credit for. I think he understands ball tempo, ball velocity very well. So I think he's the guy, and if you can find a way to implement those quarterback runs, he becomes very dangerous. And what does Florida's defense do, no matter who they have on the field? They attack. Yeah. And they can be overly aggressive at times, and all of a sudden you have the ultimate piece that can make people pay for the way that they operate, and that's John Rice Plumley. And by the way, he's got a couple young stud tailbacks. He's got a couple stud wide receivers. I mean, they had some young offensive linemen like Nick Broker that played a lot last year. So there, there's a lot of young on that side of the ball for Ole Miss. No doubt. Cole, great stuff. We could go on for another 30 minutes, but i got to turn you loose. And uh, you guys are going to have some fun midday tomorrow on WJOX in Birmingham. You'll have a whole schedule for 14 teams. Hey, listen, thanks for some of your time, man. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you very much, Matt. Always good catching up. Yeah, same here. That's Cole Kubelik, ESPN SEC Network.